The comments, opinions and statements made in this audio recording are those alone of the individual who expressed them and in no way represent the stance opinion or endorsement of the Uninformed Voters podcast, any other guest, commercial entity, state or federal government, the Department of Defense, or any U.S. military service branch, nor do these organizations or individuals endorse support sanction encourage verify or agree with any comments opinions or statements made unless explicitly and specifically expressed otherwise. So, boys, my, my sweet boys, um, why wouldn't you... Why aren't you, let me rephrase it. Why aren't you backing Diane Feinstein this year on her reelection? Steve, that's, how about you? I mean, that's a, that's an easy one for me. She's uh she's one of four remaining Democratic senators who voted yes on the war in Iraq in 2003. I mean, there's a laundry list of reasons. I'm sure John has some good ones too, but that's that's the easiest one for me. What about you, John? A warmonger. For, for for me, it's uh, it's because I'm a fucking Bernie bro, and I can't <laughs> nice. wait to get every single Got second woman out of the Senate and replaced with mediocre men. That's my goal. Uh, I mean, basically, she's a Republican with a D yeah. next to her name. Um, yeah. Never never saw a surveillance bill that she didn't like. Never never saw a way to expand the police state that she didn't like. Um, I mean, she she basically is Hillary Clinton's campaign but has been doing that shit for like 20 years yeah did you all see the story about her a year or so ago about um so she lives in some obviously like multi-billionaire whatever community in san francisco and, and it is it's literally just a one street community and one street with a cul-de-sac and you know big wall around it and everything well apparently one of the homes went for foreclosure and a local real estate agent bought it for like nothing. He bought it for like $90,000, this multi-million dollar mansion. And her and her neighbors lobbied the city to prevent this poor from coming in and living in their community. And he's like, he was a middle class for that area, you know, real estate agent and was, you know, found a great deal on a home. And because some idiot Richie didn't want to pay their fucking taxes or whatever, and uh, she, uh, she, but she was at the head of it. She didn't want a normie living around her. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Not surprising uh, at all. That uh, that article that came out. Um, I want to say it was late last year about how she was when she was mayor of San Francisco. Um, had this, you know, was a staunch defender of the Confederate flag, and hanging in San Francisco for some reason, and like. So, uh, uh, black activists kept tearing it down and she kept putting it back up and you know what you would expect from a extremely liberal socialist like Dianne Feinstein yes so the reason the reason that Senator Dianne Feinstein's name has come up Di Senator Dianne Feinstein is the senior senator from California right yes yeah um, uh, who yeah, else is Gosh, I think, so I think Harris, like, yes, because Kamal Harris is the junior yeah. senator, right? So Dianne Feinstein might but might be the most senior person in existence. I think yeah, I was gonna say she she's like when she goes to D.C., she's got the oldest carbon dating. She's I want to say four terms in the Senate and then a number of terms in the House before that. Um, but the reason that her name is in the news this week is that the uh, the California Democratic Party 
declined to endorse her reelection bid. Um, I think that's pretty good. significant. I mean, yeah, good, exactly. Now, I'm 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 no fan generally of the Democratic Party, um, but I think it's a positive sign that a state body is rejecting somebody like Feinstein and her politics. I mean, it beg, it begs the question of, is this just opportunism? Like, is it just, are they, are they just sensing the wind blowing a little better than, than some others are? Or, you know, is this also a, a genuine rejection of, of some of her policies? And I think it's a, I think it's a mix of both. Have they announced who the party is endorsing? They're not endorsing anyone. Not endorsing anyone. Yeah. No one. Wow. No one. So do does, is there already a list of any constituents or, or people are coming up against her? Yeah, it's Ke, uh, DeLeon. He's um, yeah. he's like a he's state the president pro tem of the state senate. Yes, yeah. uh, and uh, so there's she's way ahead of him in name recognition and and fundraising and and things like that. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's if the traditional metrics matter as much anymore. Um, so that's a thing, but yeah, so there's, there's him, he's the most, uh, well-recognized name. Um, and of course, I mean, it's, it's California, so I'm, I'm sure, you know, Vermin Supreme and, and, uh, you know, a whole cavalcade of, of weirdos will, will enter and run. Uh, but you know, we also, California has got a top two primary system too now. So it's, it's gonna, it, it could very easily end up as a runoff between Feinstein and someone who's positioned to her left in a state of like California. And uh, I know like when, even when she was a representative, she would, I, I forgot how long ago this was. They would talk about how, when she would run, like they considered that area, like the San Francisco vote or whatever, like Republicans had just given it up. Yeah. And, and because like they, a lot of those joke people, like they had a dominatrix one um, cycle that had gotten more votes than her or than whatever the Republican yeah. that went through. And the, so it'll be interesting. It's good. It's good to knock some dust off the seat. But um, welcome back to Uninformed Voters. Uh, we're back. I'm back after a little high edit. So I went out of the desert and climbed around in some garbage. And then I came home. And uh, I'm joined, obviously, here with my – the boys are back in town. I said I was going to say it like every five minutes, but I don't know if I can keep that. Uh, John and Steve. And, um, you know, there's been a lot that's been happening. Uh, the biggest thing right now um, over the last last little bit is obviously this, like, memo, counter-memo, secret memo, indictment, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I haven't – it's honestly been so much horseshit. I haven't – like I've been a little busy with work, so I just don't pay attention to it. Um, like a good voter, and but I know Steve has. So I did. I I I give me, suffer. Give me, so the, give me the greasy rundown. I suffer so that you don't have to. Um, so yeah, probably I think we're coming up on a month now, maybe or three weeks since the uh, the Nunes memo came out. So Devin Nunes is the uh, Republican chair of the house intelligence committee uh which is tasked with currently tasked with among other things investigating uh foreign interference in the in the election right so um nunez um 
also played a big part in the Benghazi hearings and the, the various Clinton investigations that went on in the House over the last few years. Um, so he's, Nunes very clearly has an ideological axe to grind, right? Like that's, I don't think that's out of the question at all or really debatable at all. Um, so they released this memo basically uh, casting, it's, it was basically intended to undermine the Bob Mueller investigation, the special counsel investigation by um, the, the two major sticking points were um, the way that the FISA warrants. So it's a, here's the thing, like really like it's a bunch of bullshit that like most people don't have to care about at all. But the, the nuts and bolts of it are this. Um, during 2016, the Obama administration uh, or the FBI under the Obama administration got a FISA warrant, which is a surveillance warrant uh, to investigate these business connections between the Trump campaign and various Russian interests. So the Nunes memo in one, in, in one aspect is designed to cast aspersions on the evidence used to, um, get that warrant. That was, that's really the big sticking point of, of, of the Nunes memo. There's other stuff in there about how the, uh, Basically, the, the, the two arguments were that uh, it wasn't disclosed to the courts that Michael Steele, the Steele dossier, a.k.a. Piss Tape, was... Piss Tape is real. Right, Piss Tape is real. Um, oh, so, so Nunes makes the allegation that that was the core of the FBI's request for the FISA warrant and that it was unreliable and that Steele's a partisan. And so that, you know, invalidates this. FISA warrant and also that they did not that the FBI did not disclose disclose to the FISA court what um, who was ultimately paying for uh, the um, investigation into in the who ultimately paid for the Steele dossier. Um, now none of that stuff is actually true, but it also doesn't matter. So the Democratic counter memo, which originally was put up there was a very clever game of sort of 11 dimensional chess played with the democratic counter memo, right? The democratic counter memo was written with a bunch of redactable stuff in it uh, because they knew it was going to have to go by the president's desk first. And they knew that he was going to have to redact all kinds of stuff. Um, and so they figured, well, we'll put this dirty memo up, make him redact three quarters of it. And then by the time it makes it out into the public, it looks like, Oh, look at, he's got so much to hide. Right? Well, okay, White House counsel, good for them, was a little bit more clever than that. And they said, no, no, we're going to send this back to you for you to rewrite it because there's too much sensitive stuff in it. And we don't, you know, so they, they played this little bit of chess with this memo. And, and the, the long and short of this is that the average everyday civilian doesn't need to care about these memos. It's really, it's the worst sort of form of posturing and, 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 um, you know, jousting in the house. And, and it's really all very meaningless because anybody can take from either memo whatever they want or need to prop up their argument of Russia did it, no, Trump is great. You know, whatever, whatever side you're on, there's stuff in either memo for you to hold up and say, see, see, I, my guy was, was right all along. It um, seems like, like months of just boring ass theatrics. Yeah, it's theater. It's absolutely theater. And um, the the main benefactors here are uh, 
established power structures because look this with with this with Russia gate in general um well, let's talk about the indictments i i have sort of you know a a a sentiment about the whole ball of wax that i i think is a decent perspective that we so, can all agree on but, with the yeah. indictments did they have to present evidence to a grand jury to get these indictments did I they have to like, so. present evidence I, to someone to be like hey yeah. this is some shit let's bring yeah. this idiot in and then the people you know the jury or the judge goes okay yes well the four indictments you don't you you're not you're you're never going to the the foreign indictments are more of a um it's intended to be sort of a shot across the bow right like we see what you did uh and and we're on to you now so basically here's here's what happens we started to talk about this a little bit before the show um there were basically a lot of targeted ad buys on facebook um for things and things that, that you and i and and or any of us here would look at and say well that's silly and ludicrous like big paintings of like 50 foot Jesus and 50 foot Satan with a Hillary head, like fighting in a roiling ocean. Like, I mean, like really, really awful, stupid stuff. But like the truth is like, that's who would you vote for? Right. It it is. It's one of those, but the truth is it works on that. That stuff does work. You know, I mean, people in general, companies spend money on targeted ads because targeted ads work, right? Because they reach more people. They have better click through rates uh, in general. And so I don't think there's any question that, the that people acting on behalf of the russian federation got their money's worth um and that's basically the evidence that was presented look we reached all these people you know we 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 got this you know this propaganda in front of <clears throat> x number of people and it only cost us y dollars right so it's it's a it only costs like what, a million dollars or something yeah they spent like nine million dollars or something like that not a lot of money at all not a lot of money at all um and so anyway, so there's this indictment of 13 foreign nationals and three foreign companies that in total, we're talking about like 80 people maybe that were involved or 90 people that were involved. Um, and the, 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 the foreign indictments are really just a, like I said, it's more of a warning. It's a, you know, we see what you did. We're on to you. Here's all the, here's everything. You know, look, we found it all, or at least we think we did. And here's, you know, 50 pages of indictment outlining you know, it's a, it's a public private putting people on notice. Like, see, we figured we got, we got, we got everything written down. We found all the little sales things that you did and all the little, you know, all your little tricks and jobs. Right. Um, I'm going to, you want me to look at this now? I, I just shared a little <laughs> link here to uh, a, uh, the Bernie coloring book. No, it's an example of, um, yeah. Uh, some of the targeted ads. Yeah. These are pretty good. Um, so now look, the, the bigger question is, you know, which we can never really know, right? Did this stuff really matter enough to, to change votes or, or anything like that? You know, all these things are kind of secondary, right? Like you have to be, you have to be zoomed way in on this issue for those little nuts and bolts to matter. Because the truth is when you, when you step back far enough, the question we should, the thing that we should be saying is, how the fuck did things possibly get so bad that this could have worked? That we're even that we even have to ask the question of did shitty memes sway sixty thousand votes in Michigan and and hand the election to one slightly more psychopathic individual? Right, like that's so to me. I mean, so like on that, do we? I guess, do we look at social media? I mean, you know, social media, what, Obama was the first social media president or whatever. 
Right. But do we look at social media as being that big of an influence or are we starting like, is everyone starting to rely on that as the, the, you know, the reason for this, like even Facebook's model, you don't have to pay a lot of money to target an ad to a lot of people. I mean, we get the offers for targeting ads all the time. It's like pay $30 and I could send an ad to all of San Antonio about this fucking podcast. Or, you know, if I, uh, a friend of mine, he paid, he used his $30 in Facebook bucks and did a targeted ad of his fucking meme group. (laughs) And it was a picture of, Jesus on the cross twerking and he targeted it to fucking Mexico city and he got his fucking site shut down because <laughs> he had like a hundred thousand people fucking report the site. Uh, so I guess, well, I guess the question that, that you're asking and that we have to ask, right. Is what does, what does informational warfare look like now? Does it this looks qualify? like this, right. Does this qualify? I mean, I think that that's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's partisan or hysterical to say that, yeah, this is information warfare. It's the next generation of it. Right. It's a, it's a form of transmission control or frequency control. You're controlling what's going out across the broadband and um, you may not control the, the actual megabits, but you can just overload it with fucking shitty memes that say American Muslim with pictures of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> right. Right. You can just basically fill the pipes with shit all the time. Then, then that's, you know, you can't you can't find the good water if it's always full of poop. Yeah, yeah. Well, the big problem is that these memes are pretty much indistinguishable from you know our domestically produced shit posts. Right? That's I mean, true. Basically, you go to any chud Facebook group and you see shit like this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> he said you're absolutely right. I mean. Uh, but, or- our, our own our own homegrown domestic shit posting industry is still number one in the world. It is number one. It is, I mean, there, is, there is nothing better than a, a handcrafted made in USA shit post. It's like that shit, like stuff your aunt's boards or whatever. Yes. Yeah. It, like most of it, though, a lot of it's based on organics. It's like it's based on a like oh, people actually you know believes Hank Williams Jr. should be able to throw a football at Obama's face. And everyone just you like fuck yeah you should, and then uh, it grows out of that. Well, I remember I remember someone did a uh, like a a search for trying to find the origin of like where a lot of these shitty like email forwards and stuff came from, and they found that they traced it back to a company that made bumper stickers like like um, one Timothy big ass fake America, <laughs> you know the bumper <laughs> stick, you know or like. Uh, you know, Obama bin Laden hunting season bumper stickers and shit. These are yep. the people that were making these like email forwards and sending it to everyone's grandma. And then people just copy and paste it out of that into their Facebook. And, and, then, and then, yeah, put it on a picture of a pickup truck or whatever. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Stuff my meme I'll post. I like this. Uh, Hillary Clinton has a 69% disapproval rate among all veterans. I saw that. It's pretty, nice. pretty good. It's a, it's a picture of a veteran kneeling, um, or not a veteran, an army man. Army man's taking a big kneel, and that, that nice old 69, that's a sex number for those of you listening who aren't aware. Uh, Do you think he's kneeling for the national anthem? No, of course not. He's kneeling in remembrance of Jesus Christ and his fallen brothers and sisters. Um, I, the one in the middle of this, and this is going to be my cover art. I've already decided. It's like every week I have to decide what's my cover art. Found it. 
I just Google like fucking fake memes or whatever, fake news, and this came up. Another gruesome attack on police by a Black Lives Matter movement activist. And it says, our hearts are with those... Is that with the Dallas shooting? Is that what it's in regards to? I don't even know what the fuck that's about. Yeah, I don't even know what it is either. And I certainly would hesitate to call any police officer a hero, but... It says, being patriotic. Supporting your police is now patriotic. And... A lot of it, no. though, like, so, like, it's like old chain letters. Remember how, like, chain letters, yeah. you would get that stupid shit? The one, the one says, Satan, if I win, Clinton wins. And then Jesus says, not if I can help it, and you have to press like to yeah. have Jesus win. If you don't like that post, Satan wins, and it's your fault. Yeah, and, and obviously. And it in an arm wrestling competition, which is, I think, probably the best way to wage heaven versus hell work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it saves us the entire apocalypse. Also, my puppies decided to fucking get turned right now. So <laughs> that may be in the background for you folks. So what I, what I find most problematic about Russiagate uh, is that it's basically, it's, it's an excuse for the Democratic Party to learn nothing. Like they basically get to say, oh, see, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's Russia. Like they're, you know, it's this, and, and, the 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 backflips that they're doing to you know justify you know this not only russia phobia but um oh what the fuck was i going to say shit hillary could still win this is how hillary right. still president yeah right it's it's and it's and there's this whole thing of you know um it's punching left is what the, is what it all boils down yeah. to yes it's, yeah, it's it's another it's another excellent opportunity for the Dems to punch left. And let's not forget that the Dems were the ones who invented the term fake news. Um, so so they've now replaced fake news with you're a bot or you're Russian. Um, yes. hackers, then hackers. Then I, then I don't yes. have to engage with your argument at all because clearly you're a bot or you're Russian or you're a Russian bot. And you see this Politico in the last two days, churned out three dog shit disingenuous articles about how Bernie is basically a Russian agent. Yeah. And I mean, so, so, so what they're really using this for is a way to sink Bernie 2020. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and yes. They're gearing up big time to, to do that. And the fucking eight percenters on Twitter are so extremely online about this. And they are just fucking <laughs> cranking their hogs to the thought of Bernie being a Russian agent. So, they can, so when he does win the nomination, they can all vote for Trump. Because yeah. that's 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 galactic brain shit that, that goes they're, on. When they're you... vindicated. They're yeah. they're totally vindicated. And, and, and they don't it. have to learn. They don't have to learn anything now from 2016. I didn't uh, make a mistake backing a bad candidate. Right. Everything else, you know, if if it wasn't for everything else, I would have won. So there's this whole other aspect to the 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 Trump investigation um, that I think isn't really getting talked about that much and. It, it has it sort of has a lot to do with his history in New York, right? So I, I don't know, probably a lot of people don't know this or or may have only just recently learned this as his personal life and, and personal or his business life prior to, you know, his celebrity status, um, what, you know, what that was like. And so this is somebody who was uh, always on the outside of elite New York City society, elite Manhattan society, and always... You know, uh, in in many ways, his career and his celebrity and his political career have been driven by a desire to to you know to, to stick his finger in 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 the eye of polite society that wouldn't that wouldn't have him. 
Um, and I kind of think that this whole, you know, look, so we know based on whom, who Mueller has staffed his investigation with, we know that this is actually a financial crimes investigation unit, right? Like this is not, the guys that are working for Mueller are all guys that specialize in like organized crime and finance and, and dirty money and real estate and all this stuff. Um, they're you there. Follow the money. That's right. Yeah, they're follow the money guys, and they're there to do a big old roll up on Kushner and and all the Trumps and anyone else who has dirty real estate money. And so, in a way, there's like a um, there's a classist retribution going on here. Um, there, there's a message being sent. You know, he's being punished in a way. Far far be it from me to defend a loathe loathsome scumbag like Donald Trump, but he is in some ways being punished for aspirations of uh, leaving the petty bourgeoisie and joining the haute bourgeoisie. Now we're getting into tanky land and, and John's not even at the computer right now. Um, so there is, there is, uh, there is an element of this that's being used to put, to, to, to put him back in his place and remind him that he's still, even as president, he still is not welcome in the, you know, the elite circles of, of Manhattan. Well, and, and also it's because everyone fucking hates him and they can't stand the, the like 10 pound of mayonnaise in a seven pound bag <laughs> that is Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, you, you got Lester Freeman on the case, no doubt. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you you follow the drugs, you find more drug dealers, but you follow the money and you never know who you're going to end up with. And it, you find it is, his it tape. Is, it is kind of interesting about like Manafort and uh, that other guy probably could have gotten away with all of this. Um, and, and, and that just, that, that, that actually is an indictment of our white collar crimes investigation and prosecution in this country that basically... They they never ever would have gotten caught if they hadn't if there wasn't a political aspect to it. Right. Ult ultimately, though, I mean, what's the goal of this investigation? Like in in the Hillbots, like wildest fantasies, what happens? Like Donald Trump gets arrested for treason, and then Mike <laughs> Pence becomes the president. Like, right. Yeah. Now we have President Pence. <laughs> yeah. We've always wanted. Okay. Yeah. Let's say let's say Pence gets caught up in it. All right. Yay. Now we have President Orrin Hatch. That's, that's fucking <laughs> awesome. Hell yeah, dudes. Hell yeah. Always on it. And Pence has kept his hands relatively clean. So yeah. I don't I don't know that I, I don't know that it ever goes any further. Homosexuals. I don't I'm I would... not convinced that I'm not convinced that they have enough to to roll up Donald Trump himself. I don't think Trump is smart enough to engage in a conspiracy of <laughs> yeah, this level. Right. I don't oh, think and his to brain... keep his mouth shut about it. That's yeah, I don't think his brain loves to brag. He loves to brag about his all the clever things he does, and so there's no way that he doesn't, you know, at nine o'clock at night when he's ringing up all his friends that he's not telling somebody about, hey, we, yeah, there's like we got, I got all this money in the gas company over there too, and it's really great. Like, yeah, he's not smart enough not to brag about it. It's this weird thing, like, I think it's backed by like John was saying, those eight percenters who just hope that one day they say, hey, Donald, you're fired, and they bring Hillary Clinton out behind and be like, hey, America, here's your real president now, and then they all stand up and clap. And I, I think that's like the dream, but that's, that's never going to happen. And yeah. it's like, let's say he was smart enough to orchestrate this huge thing and shut up about it and do everything. 
there's so many layers that he's disassociated with it where yeah. they're going to have a 500 idiots go to jail first. Yeah, before. they'll have an Oliver North already. Exactly. Go. Right. They probably have like five Ollie Norths ready to ready to be like, hey, prison ain't that bad, bud. We'll keep your family safe. See you later. Yeah, and, and you'll eventually get your own show on Fox News. So just Bingo. Right, right. And I don't think, look, I, don't, I still don't think that there, Donald Trump was never in the room with a brief, briefcase full of cash. Now, he was in a hotel room in Russia with a, with, and, and, and got peed on and peed on some models. That definitely happened. But I mean, so what? I mean, that's right. good for him. I'm, I'm glad he was able right. to find someone who could engage in consensual activity like that. I mean, that's that's right. Um, and and you know, I think so. I I think the most shocking development out of this is watching liberal Democrats um, demand the you know that we maintain the integrity, integrity and dignity of the. How dare you smear well, the good name? Bill Clinton was raping children. No, in, no. In this, well, yeah, that I mean that should end too. But like, don't. How dare you malign the FBI and the, those wonderful people over at the CIA? Like, liberal Democrats are now the staunchest defenders of establishment intelligence apparatus. Offense. And they love George Bush now too. They're all like George yeah, Bush defenders now too. It's fucking sickening. Because he said, because he said Trump bad. I support the intelligence community that I fucking built. Yeah, intelligence monster that he built. Yeah, um, yeah. There's just a there's there's a there's a, there's a there's a staggering unwillingness to um to 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 look to examine the causes of of anything that's happened in in recent political history. I I mean, look, uh, like yes, of course, Donald Trump is an evil, monstrous piece of garbage, but he is a symptom of a much greater disease. Um, and until we're willing to look at that disease and, and how to fight it, we're going to continue to have increasingly shitty symptoms that make our tummies sick and, and make us poop all over the place like we do right now. <laughs> right, because, I mean, what, what does this do to improve the material conditions of anyone in this country? Nothing. Not, Nothing. Not goddamn None of thing, this right? will change anyone's life besides the the one idiot that goes to court and taking resources and tax money and energy that could be focused on making people's lives better um that's it it actually probably makes life worse for folks because there's money and energy being focused on you know yes is the piss tape real you know stuff yes. like that uh, yes it is obviously <laughs> i mean yes but is it played on tv yet well no. it's it, no you're, you're right it's all the it's you're, you're you're right in that it sucks up all the oxygen in the room like that like what are all the things that we're not talking about like the record number of conservative judicial appointments that have gone on at at, at state and and uh and county levels right we certainly aren't talking about uh about that we aren't talking about well, Opium last deaths. week we, we talked like, about water. We talked about water shortages in South Africa. Our yeah, I, I mean, how we we're, are woke as fuck here at TUV. In case um, you know. we're getting like precariously on the edge of a spinning recession, uh, a la 2008, yeah. and alongside with it is the student uh, loan debt bubble. That not is, paying my student loans. I am all for not paying those. Hell uh, yeah. So I mean, but we we're like. We have a lot of possible war with North Korea, it's just everything. And no, we gotta we gotta talk about what did this memo say? Yes. Ah, it said nothing, huh? 
Well, here's my counter memo. Here's my memo that refutes all of the nothing in your memo. Yes, these things change nobody's lives at all. It's just it's a it's more theater as a distraction so that they can continue plundering yes. the well-being of the citizens of this country and the world. So I mean it's 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 business as usual. The Democrats would absolutely rather reign in hell than or, or be losers in hell than than reign in heaven or whatever. I mean they're <laughs> they're 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 basically a controlled a opposition party. About at this that. Point. <laughs> there's a good drill tweet, I think, about you know, I'd rather Rain than hell, than serve in heaven, and then, like he's at a Chipotle or something. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so you persecute Jared Vogel because he has different beliefs. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm trying to delete it. I'm trying to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so we're, we're talking about the betterment of the population and how you know. I, I, and it's to no one's surprise that the you know the political system can it does the exact opposite. There's like oh you get one good thing here's 99 turds now you have to live with or 99 nothings you have to deal with that we we're focusing our energy and money on. Um, this week we were given John a uh, uh, a little topic for tanky chat and we were going to talk about Cuba and that's all we said is just Cuba John. And then uh, it, we 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 tossed the little proverbial ball at him and told him to run with it. So uh, I'm excited now to see, yep. and I I assume knowing John for many years that we're going to talk about quality of life. Or am I am I right a little bit? Uh, you know, uh, we are absolutely. Okay. And uh, no trains though. I, I didn't even didn't even find anything about trains. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest right now. Uh, I on my second monitor. I am watching live stream of train like webcams, and I got really <laughs> excited because I got one live. But I, you, you two were in a conversation, and I didn't want to interrupt it by posting it because I like we would have just melted down. So that's trains for tonight, and I am paying attention too. So I just all right, baby's gotta have his trains. All right, so uh, I mean. The Cuban Revolution is kind of one of those things that most people in the United States really don't know anything about. The, the only thing that they know is that Fidel Castro is a bad guy who smokes cigars um, and Cubans try to leave Bay and go pigs. to Florida and then they go and vote for Republicans for some reason. Um, yeah, Bay of Pigs, maybe. The Cuban Missile Crisis, sure. Um, it's the, the, the history of the Cuban Revolution is actually a hell of a lot more interesting and impactful than any of those things. Um, and it all started in 1952 by a guy named Fulgencio Batista, who was a grade A piece of shit. Who, uh, he, he led a military coup and installed himself as the president of Cuba. And basically, it's a complete 180 of what he uh, had, uh, had, had, had previously been running the country as. Um, in the 40s, it was a pretty labor-friendly, socially progressive for the 40s. Um, and then what changed all of a sudden was this big stream of U.S. capital coming in to basically suck up all of Cuba's natural resources. And so now that Batista is sucking on the teat of American dollars, um, pretty much uh, just intense corruption. 
from the ground up. I mean, when you think of a banana republic warlord kind of guy, uh, the Batista regime was exactly that. Um, and so U.S. companies, rather than Cuban people, were basically running the Cuban state at this point. And Batista loved it because he's making money hand over fist. But, uh, you know, obviously on the ground, it was a little bit different. So Cuba was facing at this time extreme unemployment. Their infrastructure had basically, you know, just wallowed for a decade. So it was critically, um, had some pretty critical issues. And Batista at the encouragement of his uh, American handlers, became violently anti-communist um, and cracked down on his political opponents by accusing them of being communists, whether or not they actually were. And because of these crackdowns, uh, the Cuban people eventually became increasingly disgruntled and politically radicalized. And so a young activist and lawyer, guy you might've heard of, little, little, little boy named Fidel Castro, at first, he tried to find a legal solution to this. So he actually petitioned for Batista to be removed through the court system, um, which was stupid because the courts were bought and paid for by the Batista regime. So that failed. Uh, realized he couldn't get rid of him through legal means. So he founded a paramilitary organization called The Movement with his brother, Raul Castro, who is still alive. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so, so they started stockpiling weapons. They recruited a whole bunch of disenfranchised Cuban workers. Eventually, they gained about 120 fighters, and they launched an attack on two military barracks in 1953. Uh, and it failed miserably. About half of them were captured. Ten were killed. Um, the rest were pretty much executed by Batista's forces. So the Castro brothers are sitting in jail with basically the surviving members of their movement. So... They're sitting in jail now. That was 1953. It's now 1955. And um, ironically, uh, Batista ended up letting Castro go um, because basically it became an untenable position for him politically that the Cuban people were very much on Castro's side. And also Castro's like Jesuit childhood teachers lobbied on his behalf for Batista to free him. So he did, um, uh, but uh, they didn't stick around. They went to Mexico where they met uh, another precious little boy you might've heard of called Che Guevara, a uh, little Bolivian revolutionary. Huh. Might've seen him on some shitheads t-shirt. Um, some so Woodstock 99. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like some guy had banging to Olympus get definitely owns a Che Guevara t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> So, so they're hanging out in Mexico with Che and they start planning the revolution. And years to come, Batista regime keeps cracking down violently. There are a couple more failed legal challenges to his, uh, to his power. And so the Cuban people pretty much rise up and become sort of guerrilla warfare experts. They sabotage stuff. They attack government buildings. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty much like, a, like an insurgency. Um, of their own people. And che, based on his experiences, believed that the, the poorest, most disenfranchised people in the Cuban society, these would be the foundation of the new worker state. And these would be the people that, um, you know, would form the basis of a working class revolution. And Castro at this point, Castro himself was not a communist. He was not at all sold on Marxism as an ideology, he was not working to pursue class revolution since he didn't want to be associated politically with communism because 
he uh, he still thought that he could be friends with the United States, uh, despite the fact that Cuban communists had wide support among unions and the Cuban working class. Um, he he fell into the trap of doesn't this sound familiar? That he he needs those those suburban moderates uh, that he needs their support um, in order to govern effectively, and so pretty much there's a bunch of rebel groups all you know just going buck wild all over the place uh and nearly all of them have foreign support from different powers trying to gain an in, uh, a, a foothold in the u.s's sphere of influence so ironically again like the u.s initially was supporting the batista regime but as it became clear that mm, he, he probably was gonna lose um the u.s actually put a arms embargo on the batista regime and armed and emboldened revolutionary forces in Cuba. So between 1955 and 1959, about 5,000 Cubans died in this guerrilla combat. And uh, despite uh, himself being perilously close to being killed on several occasions, uh, none other than Fidel Castro takes power, 3rd of January, 1959. And now initially, he, like I said, he, he, he wanted to strike that balance between the leftist unions and the more moderate liberal capitalist class that had flourished under Batista, basically the, the robber barons of Cuba that were selling out their resources for that sweet American cash. Um, so he promised free elections and still at this point fervently denied being a communist. Um, most likely not to piss off the United States uh, because they still had significant financial interests in Cuba. However, oh, sorry, go for it. Oh no, I was gonna just say, one of those, just to tie in the last thing we were talking about, again, I, you got me interested and I was just Wikipedia in this. Uh, one of those holdings was the United Fruit Company. Um, yeah, Chiquita Banana. Well, owned by the Bush dynasty. Wah, wah. Yep. And it's the also the only company. It was uh, Papa, Papa Bush was running the CIA. Um, when all this was happening or one of the bushes was and uh, they lost all their holdings and they lost all their resources and right after the revolution they were given a um a crypticon or something like that uh cryptonym by the cia and they're the only company non-state entity to ever be given a cryptonon so they uh they think that the cia was trying to do stuff through them and uh, they think the Cubans found out about it, and that's why they um, did the thing. Or they, they, they confiscated all, you know, expro expropriated everything out, confiscated. So, yeah. So, that's, so that's my ad. No big deal. Well, no, actually, that's exactly what was coming next, was eventually Che was in Castro's ear whispering that, uh, hey, you know, you, you got to start purging the pro-Batista guys. Um, from the government, the army, and the population, because Che's experience in the Guatemalan revolution that was a failure, uh, he believed that that the reason it failed was because they didn't remove the the, the sort of the counter revolutionary groups and didn't defend against the old regime taking back their power. So uh, Che thought that if they purged all these people, um, they 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 could hold on to the gains of their revolution. And uh, the U.S. didn't like this because it was U.S. imperialist interests with ties to the former Batista regime that were being threatened, killed, and exiled. 
So American propaganda now started portraying Cuba as a chaotic and sort of shocking return to the Stalinesque totalitarian purges, um, which, I mean, there's a grain of truth to it, but um, we're talking about like thousands, not millions. I mean, Stalinesque is, you're not touching Stalin numbers here. Um, So so Che and Castro then actually used this American response to embolden revolutionary fervor, and it worked amazingly. And at this point now, even though he was initially skeptical, uh, Che used his position to convince Castro and the Cuban people about the necessity of a Marxist state, of a worker's state. So now Che is public enemy number one in the political sphere because there's this, this communist revolution on the U.S.'s doorstep. And so the U.S. is becoming increasingly antagonistic. The Cuban government now looks to the Soviet Union for logistical and ideological support, which they're more than happy to provide. Um, the U.S. started pulling out investments. They imposed sanctions. And in response to that, the Cuban government did exactly what they should have. They nationalized more and more industries. They basically said, if the United States doesn't want to invest here, fine, we'll take back our resources and we'll use it for our people. Um, and so 1960, Castro declares the Cuban revolution to be socialist. Um, now some good stuff happened. A bunch of progressive reforms. Uh, pretty much every aspect of Cuban infrastructure was just dramatically improved. Um, uh, equality for black Cubans and women passed. By the end of 1960, all of Cuba's children were receiving an education compared to less than half before the revolution. Unemployment and corruption were significantly reduced and Cuban sanitation and health infrastructure actually became like enviable. It was one of the one of the best designed um, sanitation systems in the world at the time. 75% of the arable land in Cuba had been owned by these foreign companies like the banana people. The, the Castro Bushes. government, yeah. The Bushes baked beans folks. Um, they started seizing this private property, including the land. And then by the end of 1960, the Cuban government had nationalized all previously foreign and Cuban bourgeois owned property. Um, so this is where the embargo happens. Now Bay of Pigs, where the U.S. backed a counter-revolutionary force to go and overthrow Castro, which was crushed and to huge embarrassment to the United States. They used, um, um, in Bay of Pigs, it was uh, people who had fled Cuba, correct? Yeah. Yep. They, they basically sent back the people that uh, Castro had purged in the first place to, to go overthrow him. And yeah. It didn't work because Castro at this point now had been fighting in guerrilla warfare like himself for like seven years. So, I mean, he, he was pretty, pretty battle hardened guy. You weren't just going to, you know, walk up to him with a gun or whatever and take him out. I mean, he, he was uh, no, he exploding he was. Cigar, no exploding cigars for him, huh? No, no exploding cigars, no piano keys that when you push the right key, they explodes. I mean, yeah, the CIA did try to kill him a whole bunch of times. And did the exploding activity. seashells. <laughs> um. So Soviet Union was more than happy to provide all sorts of aid to Cuba. Um, unfortunately, they had a little bit of ulterior motives, like putting mes- nuclear missiles there. Um, and that led to the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was no bueno, but uh, ultimately was result about bloodshed and they took the missiles back to the Soviet Union. Um, going to skip forward a little bit here. So the Soviet Union falls, and that's bad because the Cuban economy at that point had become almost completely dependent on their relationships. So there's this huge famine. And as a response to that, because all this land is state-owned, they basically put everyone to work. Um, and within 
like five to seven years, uh, they were already back at their previous um, economic output, uh, wow. just very, very That's quickly. Amazing. And, you know, in that kind of inner period, you know, despite being caught between, you know, daddy Soviet Union and daddy United States, um, caught between two daddies, uh, Cuba was very just resilient. So, I mean, standard of living increased hugely. Cuban life expectancy was actually higher than the United States, and it still is. It's actually- I was gonna say it still of, is, isn't it? In the company of, yeah, like Canada and Japan. Uh, even though about half of Cuba's doctors fled in the aftermath of the revolution, they just said, all right, eat shit, we'll just train some more. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> um, Cuba has a 100% literacy rate, which is, is something the United States cannot claim in 2016. Um, and then after the Soviet Union fall, like I said, they became very self-sufficient. So they really actually did embody the Juche ideology of, of self-reliance and uh, combine that with the strong social safety net provided by their government. Um, they were able to weather the storm of, of political uncertainty with the fall of the Soviet Union and fall of sort of communist power in general. Um, now that's all great, yeah, and and this is tanky chat, but uh, you know I gotta at least do, do do a little bit of due diligence here. Um, you know they 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 did they did commit some uh, some human rights abuses, uh, no, no doubt about that. They uh they tortured some folks. Okay. Uh, anyone deemed counter revolutionary? Bullet. Um, homosexuals were violently persecuted, um, mostly at the hands of these like revolutionary militias, which were really just sort of gangs. Um, they acted kind of like the secret police of fascist states. And this is kind of a weird historical thing that we could also do, like almost a whole topic on, that there was this weird Stalinist belief that homosexuality was not a natural thing, but it was born of bourgeois decadence, and therefore <laughs> counter-revolutionary by its very nature, um, which huh. is, you know, obviously not correct and uh, led to a lot of really bad stuff. Um, so totalitarianism really kind of weighed heavy on the Cuban people. And uh, Castro became, you know, as, as dictators are wont to do, became increasingly paranoid. Um, and I mean, he did, he did have some right to be paranoid, right? I mean, the CIA was trying to kill the guy. Um, so he, he was exiling, purging, smashing dissent. Um, there was no disagreement with the government. Um, although, you know, as it stabilized, they backpedaled a lot of the kind of most extreme abuses. Um, that still leaves pretty indelible scars in, in a people. And unfortunately, that then becomes an example to the rest of the world for capitalist propaganda saying about the evils of socialism. You know, and of course, we know that like, you know, capitalism never did anything bad. No. Um, you know, the Congo Free State, for example, I mean, which compensated workers by dismembering each other, um, you know, th th that, that, had, that wasn't because of capitalism. That was just one bad, one bad guy. Right. Um, you know, and, and of course, not to mention like our own revolution, the counter-revolutionaries, the loyalists, um, you know, what do you think happened to them? They got shot in the head, they had their land seized, and a bunch of them fled to Canada. They yeah. also, they got <laughs> tortured <laughs> to death too. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they got literally tar, tar, tar poured on them. Yeah, it was not, <laughs> not great. That, I love uh, it in cartoons, they always portray that I like, just oh, that. I'm like, just... Oh, it's so funny. But it's like literally boiling tar poured all over your body. And there wasn't the medicine when you scarred up all over to do anything about it. You just died of infection three months later. Pretty much. Yeah. 
Um, so, so I mean, what, what do we learn from all this, right? Um, you know, this isn't this isn't tanky chat. Uh, tank, tank, tankies are Stalinist. I'm I'm no Stalinist. I, I, I believe say, John's a trot. Yeah, I'm a big trot. I believe in democratic centralism. I believe that the state. So this has is called a hot to trot now. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, as Marxists, it's important to remember that the linchpin to a socialist society is democratic control of resources, not the yep. state control of resources. It's got to be democratic, which means the state actually has to represent the people. And yep. so Cuba is a great example for a lot of stuff. You know, you, there's, they did a lot of very good things very quickly. They took industries into public ownership. They provided a high standard of living to all their citizens. They built this world-class infrastructure. But, you know, they did a lot of bad things. The extrajudicial killings, you know, human rights abuses, persecuting homosexuals, a lot of bad stuff. Um, so their accomplishments on one hand is that they achieved a pseudo worker state with kind of socialist elements right next door to the United States. And, you know, how they accomplished that with all the bloodshed, not, not so great. So the Cuban bureaucracy, it's incompatible with Marxist ideals. Uh, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive to, to how um, a socialist society has to work. Uh, the leaders have to be accountable to the workers, and unfortunately, Castro ensured through violence that he wasn't. He could do whatever he wanted. Unfortunately, now that he's dead, um, Cuba's looking to follow the same mistakes of basically every other Latin American country, and they're letting U.S. companies come back in, crack into that market, and uh, unfortunately, I think we're seeing the temptations of capitalism uh, sort of... Uh, ooze their tendrils through through this 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 island and uh you know it took them five years to build a worker state and seize control of their own resources but uh it uh, might only take five years for all of that to go to shit so. to fall apart yep mm. we'll uh we'll have to do uh a piece on on venezuela soon i think because uh as 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 much of um even though it's a a, st a state very much in crisis it is probably also the best hope for Bolivarian socialism in South America. So we'll have to do a whole piece on that. It's interesting. I, I, I hope that, uh, and thank you, John. I hope that the, I hope that yes, the revolution, thanks, I hope the Cuban revolution survives. They, they worked very hard and, and sacrificed a lot for, to get I mean, one they over by microwaves, <clears throat> cellular yep. telephones. Yep. And American interest. Yep. Um, so last thing we're going to talk about here, and this is me being given a little bit of a, um, uh, my weekly world news or whatever it is, is, um, last week, a, I believe he's a Navy officer. He's a, a virologist for the CDC out of uh, Atlanta, the main CDC site. Um, Tim Cunningham, he came to work and said, Oh, I don't feel well and went home early. And then no one has seen him since. Um, the, the big thing is, is the CDC out of um, Atlanta is a level four facility. So what that means uh, for level four, that means they keep uh, biological weapons there. And one of the things that he was actually testing or part one of the programs, apparently he was part of, was doing like weaponized research or like doing tests with weaponized uh, um, things. Well, the, uh, you know, doesn't show up for work, doesn't contact people, whatever. They go check on his apartment, dog's still there, wallet, keys, um, 
everything's still there. Uh, I'm not for sure if his vehicle was there. Um, but very, very unusual for somebody who said, oh, I'm, uh, I'm sick. I want to go home. And then just to be, to completely disappear without, you know, and uh, without a trace. And now it's to the point where the Atlanta Police Department is offering $10,000 reward. They have search parties out looking for them. Um, you know, they're combing all the, at the, uh, all the local hospitals, everything else. So, um, wow. it's a really interesting case, you know, of someone to drop off. I think he's in the Navy or was formerly an officer. And then, no, actually he worked for, there's a, a military or it's, it's a division of a public health branch. Yes. It's the public health service. It's one of the seven uniform services. Yes. And he, uh, naval ranks. Uh, he's an officer within that. Yeah, they're they're all officers, and they just use navy ranks for whatever reason. Yeah, and they just wear civilian clothes most of the time too. But he, um, uh, so he's officer in that, and it's just you know very interesting. Um, no leads, nothing. Guy just kind of disappeared. So um, yeah, I don't even know what we could talk about with it. We could speculate. Uh, yeah, isn't, isn't this how The Walking Dead starts? I was going to say, this is how the stand starts. This is, yeah, it's, I think it's more along the stand. Like, you know, I think there is, <laughs> I can't even remember the walking dead. It's, it's, that, that's the common trend is like, Oh, here comes zombies or here. Yep. The stand is, I think it, I, I've never read the stand. And I was told by my wife, Ooh. I had to, I had to get like the 1400 page book that has 800 pages of addendums to it and read it. So I can hear, uh, you Just know, do the, it. Yeah, Ugh. just do it. It's it's King, so it's easy reading. It's not like it's not a um, mm. it's he's wordy, but it's not an exhausting read. It's not like okay. trying to read Dune or Silmarillion or something like that. It's it's just, and it's good. I mean, the stand is so you know King has turned out a lot of schlock in his career, but uh, the stand is, in my opinion, beyond reproach. It's an excellent book. Really? And, yeah, absolutely. It's Have you read it, John? Hmm. Is, is, it's kind of like the Andromeda strain, right? The stand. A, a, a virus gets out and it kills all, like, basically everyone. Yeah. And then there's a psychic old lady and the devil or something. Yeah. I remember I, I, the. They had the they had the big stupid guy from Coach. And that spells moon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's all I remember of watching the miniseries. The miniseries. It was what not... the dude from Parks and Rec was on it too, right? Oh. Was he, um... What's that? The handsome man. What's the handsome man's name, John? Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Was Rob Lowe on it? Rob Lowe is in, yes. Rob Lowe is in uh, The Stand, the, t- the TV miniseries. Okay. Uh, and so is, uh, I can't think of her name, but she was on Just Shoot Me. Uh, Molly Ringwald was on it? No. Uh, Laura yes. San- That's uh, her. Laura yes. And, and, uh, Gary Sneeze. Molly, Molly Ringwald got Gary Sneeze. It is a it oh, is a star studded Laura San Giacomo. Yes. Yes. That's she was on Just Shoot Me and she is also in the stand. Uh yeah, Gary Sinise and uh, uh his name was Bill Fagerbach. Fagerbach. He's the uh the big dummy. The, the big dummy. He's he's the guy who gets typecast <laughs> as big dummy. That's all it says. Ed Harris? Wow. Kareem Abdul Jabbar is in it? Yeah. Yeah. He's the monster shouter. He's the guy in, New York, in in Times Square who's like yelling and he's got like the big signboard and he's ringing a bell. He's really good in it. It's only a short cameo, but he's Man. good. He's scary. 
Uh, he's not in the book, though. So he well, he, 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 <laughs> the uh, the character that he rep- that he plays is is in the book, but not as Kareem, not as Kareem Abdul Jabbar. No. Do they ever say what happened to Kareem Abdul Jabbar in the book? Do they mention it? Like, does he exist in that universe? The actual Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Yes. I, I would just. I assume he does exist, and I don't know if he survived. Huh. I, my assumption is no. So my my speculation, or not my speculation, I, I forgot who said it. I think it was actually Donald Rumsfeld. And this was like at the height of all the biological warfare stuff. Um, you don't have to be afraid about terrorists becoming biologists. What you have to be afraid of is biologists becoming terrorists. And that, that's immediately, I was like, oh, somebody who has access, you know, true. Uh, access to, you know, I, I'm sure I don't even begin to know what type of stuff that the CDC, you know, like their control measures are. I'm sure it's like, you know, top notch, but um, uh, it, it was interesting. That's, uh, but that's where my mind went first. I was like, oh, who bought this guy? Oh, and uh, he, he was actually a, one of the CDC's responder to the Ebola outbreaks in 2014. Hmm. So he was one of the ones on the, on the ground. Um, but yeah, be interesting to see what happens. I hope he, uh, I hope old Tim's found all right. And uh, who knows? I well, personally, I'm pulling for disaster. Yeah. I hope, I hope in a month we don't care about a piss tape because yep. there's monsters eating us. Yep. And uh, I'm not caring about the piss tape. <laughs> John will be in a bunker, uh, like cranking, and just cranking away, cranking his hog, <laughs> ankle deep in in whatever fluid, and <laughs> just scratching piss tape into the cement over and over. It'll be like you're you've played Fallout and you find one of those really weird bunkers. And you're like, what the fuck? What weirdo yeah. thought of this? And it'll be that's like 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 Vault sixty nine. Yeah. Basically, all the, all, the, all the TVs in Vault sixty nine just play the piss tape over and over and over again. And that's <laughs> that's what the vault experiment was. Uh, yeah, we should get that cannon. <laughs> Want to live in that vault? Ugh. I wonder if there is a Vault sixty nine. I bet you there is. Ooh, I bet it's on Google. Hold on here, listeners. This is uh, this is engrossing oh, oh it, 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 it's awesome it's it's one of the vaults the experiment there was that there is populated by one man and 999 women <laughs> <laughs> of course jeez <laughs> oh and vault 68 had 999 men and one woman <laughs> jeez yikes. come on yikes oh huh welp welp well, ladies and gentlemen, well, um, I guess, you know, thank you all for listening again. Um, yeah. If you haven't already, our Save Versus Adulthood is, we're churning them out, baby. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, I learned how to use my microphone and I got to look. And yeah, I still know how to use it. My gain's still really nice. <laughs> and um, I, I screwed up the first few recordings by having my gain really low. I'm like, I was listening to it in my own, my van. And I had my phone turned up all the way. I had my radio turned up all the way. And I could barely hear myself whispering. And I was like, oh, man, this fucking sucks. Yeah. But then our second recording, I learned how to use a microphone. 
and it's much better. And yeah, um, the last the the episode that I just put out last Monday, everyone sounds great. Um, but yes, please like, subscribe, do whatever. Uh, you can get it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, and you can also get it on our website, Two Ravens Biz slash SVA. Uh, yes, yeah, slash SVA. Um, I'm lazy and I don't go there to uh, edit the website much. So I should, uh, I just shamed myself on air. Well, um, yeah. And I think I still got a Patreon if anybody wants to give us money. Um, Wendy's we're looking at you. Yeah. Wendy's play. I actually, I emailed and sent Wendy's a private message on Twitter and I have gotten nothing back. Get at us. Wendy's yes. people. I'm going to just start tagging them every week. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should pursue Steakums. Uh, Steakums, oh, that's would... played out, isn't it? Wasn't no, Steak... that like... So, so, so actually, Lotex got his account banned again, and now Steakums is starting a petition to get it reinstated. What? Oh, I could get on that Steakums. Yes, uh, this episode of the Uninformed Bro- Voters is brought to you by Wendy's and Steakums. And Steakums. Um, and, what and are Steakums? We would, let's be realistic. We would endorse just about anything. Um... As long as it's not like something crazy, like yeah. heroin for kids, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like heroin junior. I, I, I'll I'll throw my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is our Movantix moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, give it a listen. That helps you poop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. I, I'll help you poop. You give me money. <laughs> um, the Cat food. Yeah, Car, motor oil, you name Whatever. it. Quaker, yeah. Quaker State, get at me! Come on, NASCAR. This episode of the Uninformed Brother Voters brought to you by NASCAR. They go <laughs> fucking fast. Uh, <laughs> uh, like the common ones are always Squarespace, um, the food one, Blue Apron. Blue Apron, yeah. Yeah, what like in like Loot it's crate. Loot Crate. <laughs> um, my dog just made a noise. Uh, underwear, <laughs> like there's some. Oh, yeah, Max, uh, Max Weldon or whatever. Yes, yeah, that one's really popular now. I don't want any of those. I mean, if they want to give me money, sure, but they're not looking at us. Wendy's right. is looking at us. Stop Steak and shop. Um, come and go, that chain yes. of gas station. Yeah. Oh, man. This episode of the Uninformed Promoters brought to you by come and go. <laughs> you, Get you gas. Just that come. Yes. <laughs> it's come with a K. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, uh, we also have, uh, a, a, a couple, we have a very exciting, our Sopranos project. Uh, it's, it came yes. to me in a fever dream while I was sleeping in the back of my van along interstate 10, right on the Mexico border. Um, that one I'm really excited about. And then we also have another role-playing one that we're actually working with the company for, with a role-playing game in, uh, in its beta phase. So we're trying to work with them to hopefully get their endorsement. And I mean, I'm going to do it regardless, but yeah, I would like for that to be an opportunity to work with them um, on getting the word out about this, uh, about that game. So um, what did we learn this week? What'd you learn, John? Ooh, uh, I learned that uh, not only is piss tape real, but um, even if piss tape were fake, it's still real in all of our hearts. Ooh, well said. Maybe it's real in a, di- I mean, like infinite dimensions or infinite whatever. It's real. Right. In, it's literally, maybe this is the only dimension that's not real and it is literally real in every other dimension. Right. What's that? Parallels is what yes. that TNT episode is? Yeah. Uh, 
What'd you learn, Steve? That we are literally doomed. And, uh. and, and it couldn't have come soon enough. <laughs> Yay. I like it. Um, I learned, um, and I've always kind of known it, um, the Bushes, uh, the Bush family is the same as the Bush baked beans. And they got, they're the reason uh, we own a military base in Cuba is because they're angry over their sugar fields or whatever, probably. But uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. The Uninformed Voters intro and outro music was provided and sampled by Attack Squad. To listen to more of their amazing music, please visit them at ahtck.com. Yeah, I'm